0: We are in this series uh, called Heaven and Hell, and we're talking about heaven and hell. We spent, last time we met, uh, we talked about heaven part one, and it was, it ended as like, a, okay, there's still more to talk about. And, and, in, and then in the meantime, we had a first Wednesday, which was last Wednesday, which normally is the first Wednesday of the month. Because of weather and school and stuff, it was the third Wednesday of the month, which I think was the first time we've ever done that. Uh, but it was great. And, and over 250 people came out, and it was like, awesome. Like, okay, and we talked all about heaven. So, so if, if you, even after today, if you're going, man, okay, what else could there be about heaven? How much more is there? You can go online. It's up there. You can go watch the first Wednesday and get even more about, like, what we talked about for heaven, what it will be like. So so we, this is part two now of heaven. Uh, if you missed part one, it's fine. We'll catch you up. But you can also, again, always go back online and, and watch. Um, and then and then in the next two weeks, we switch. So, so today, we're going to go from like wonderful anticipation, excitement, heaven. Okay, wonderful. And then in the next two weeks, we talk about health. So just a heads up, the next two weeks are going to feel even different. Even though it's like the same category, so to speak, of afterlife, it will feel very different. So I, I hope you come back for that because again, just as like the Bible talks a lot about heaven, it has some things to say about hell. And so we'll, we'll look at that as well. One of the things that, that, um, that, uh, I, that has struck me, um, from talking to you guys, but also just in general is, is how, uh, how, how lacking the church is in this conversation about heaven, how, how for whatever reason churches don't talk about it. When I say churches, like like the big like the big C church, like just just church in general usually doesn't have sermons about heaven. And and I think a number of you are are, are probably will probably say, yeah, I don't I can't remember the last time I heard a, a whole sermon, let alone a series about about heaven and hell. And um, and we've talked about it here in the past, but it's it's such an odd thing because when you think about it, so like if If what the Bible says is true, and I hope that you're convinced that this is truth, and there's a whole bunch of reasons as to why we accept this, not on faith, but on evidence that this is true. If this is true and what it says is true, then here's what this means. You were created to live forever, to have an eternity, and which means most of your experience, most of your existence will not be here on earth. It will be in one of these two places. And and if you're a follower of Jesus, most of your experience and and like the the existence of you will not be here on earth it will be in heaven in fact 99.9% of your experience will be in this place that we're talking about so why don't we talk about it more right i'm hoping that both from the last time we met and after today you will have a um a new sense of Oh, okay, I didn't know about all that. I didn't and a new a new excitement about what it could be like and 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 to think through what as much as like my life here is real and my experience is real, this is just as real and will be just as real of an experience. So Last time we looked, at, uh, we looked at three aspects. We're doing five aspects kind of in total of, of heaven. We looked at three. And, um, and uh, one of the things that we said that we'll again say to this morning is this. This was the whole point. Heaven is different than you think and better than you think. That heaven is not what you think it is based on movies or TV shows or, or maybe even what you were told, you know, when you were raised or what you maybe thought about or read a book about someone's, like what their, their idea of heaven is or what they hope it will be. That, your, that like, your idea of heaven is not entirely accurate and that heaven is different than you think and better than you think. And the first thing we said was this, that we can know what heaven will be like. So many times I think in churches, the, the, one of the reasons we don't think about or talk about heaven is because we go to this verse where where, where, uh, where it reads that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has thought about, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And you're going, okay, see, there it is, definitively. No one can imagine, no one can see it, no one has heard. And then the very next verse, we looked at this last time we met, the very next verse says, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Like, of course, no one can think about it. No one has seen it or heard it. I don't know about you. I haven't been there. I don't know, like, firsthand experience what it's like. So I can't write down, here's what it is. And then we're told, but God told us. God told us. He revealed it to us by his spirit. So we should take it seriously. Not because uh, a guy on a stage is telling you this. It's because this is what God says. This is what it will be like. So it will be smart for, it will be wise for us to listen and to, take, and to take seriously, all right, if God says this is what it will be like, then why would I think it would be any different? So we can know what heaven will be like. Not exhaustively, but we can get a very good picture of heaven. We saw this, that heaven, this is, again, maybe for a lot of us, the first kind of mind, like the mind blow or light bulb moment, that heaven will be here on earth. What? <laughs> We see in Revelation 22 and 2021 20, and, and 22 that heaven, that there's a new heaven, a new earth, is called the New Jerusalem. It comes down from like the sky and meets, uh, and meets with earth, and then it says that God will now dwell with his people forever, that there's a uniting of both, and that our experience of heaven will be much more earth like than you maybe think or are led to believe. That you and I, are, it's not like floating up in clouds with harps and, you know, n- naked like overweight babies with wings and you're just going like, oh, wow, this is heaven. You're going, that's like such a weird view of heaven. And for whatever reason, that's like the, the popular opinion of heaven. It won't be like that at all. It'll be much more, much more like our experience, our physical experience here on earth than, than maybe you think. And then we saw this that we will be reunited with those that we love, that with loved ones that have passed away, that were in the faith, that were followers of Jesus. Paul says this in, in when he writes his first letter to Thessalon, the church in Thessalonica. He says this: I don't want you to grieve like the rest of the world that has no hope. So let me tell you what's going to happen. And he says that that, that Jesus is going to come back with the, the sound of a like a, an archangel. You're going to hear that, and then and then he says we're going to be caught up in the air with those that that we loved, and we will be with him forever. forever. That we, we, will, we really will be reunited with loved ones. This brings us now to aspect number four, which we're gonna spend four and five, really all of four is this morning. And that's this. All right, so what will the experience be like? What will we be able to do? What will we be able to see? What will, what will, we, what will we experience both just personally, but also like, like with other people? What will it be like? Here it is, Ready? Aspect four of heaven that's different than you think and better than you think. Our lives will be how they were intended to be. Here's what we mean by that. That your life will now be without sin, how God wanted it, pre-fall, pre-sin, pre-corruption, like pre, like the infection of sin in every aspect of your life. Now, take that away and and the the actual, like the, the epitome of what God wants for the human experience, without sin, that is what we will experience. That's what we'll have. It's so hard. Um, it's so hard to imagine that because it, that isn't our experience. So, what will we do there? Now we're going to spend a lot of time just going rapid fire through all kinds of like aspects of it. And we're gonna look at a bunch of scriptures. So get ready. We're gonna go pretty quick here. And we're, we're gonna do not necessarily a super deep dive, but an ex- like a, a very broad, just touch on a bunch of different stuff. If you wanna go deeper, uh, again, you can rewatch First Wednesday. We talked much, much more about all of this. So what will we do there? First, we will not be capable of sinning. Again, this is so hard because our experience, your experience in life is one in which humanity is tied with like imperfection and our sinfulness and, and, and the fact that we, we make bad decisions intentionally and we make, and we rebel against the Lord. And we, like, we commit sins, what the Bible calls sin. We do. And it's hard to even imagine, like we have this expression, well, nobody's perfect. That's this, that's us admitting defeat, saying, You can't be perfect, nobody's perfect, we know that. It's hard for us to even imagine a human existence apart from a life of imperfection, of sin. Yet, that's what heaven will be. Here's what we see. We see that Christ died and purchased us from the penalty uh, as well as the nature of sin. Hebrews chapter 10, it says this. Talking about Jesus, for by one offering, one sacrifice himself, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Here's what this says. This one sacrifice of Jesus has made perfect, not just like the here and now, like you've been forgiven, but for all time, those who are sanctified, those who are, who were made holy, that this sacrifice of Jesus is much greater and all encompassing than you imagine. And that it, it perfects for all time, our experience and, and us as people and, and the forgiveness that we experience. So, this is, a, this is a hard thing to imagine, and, and rightly so. It's hard to imagine um, a place in which there is no sin, and yet there's free will, because our, our mind like immediately goes to, okay, but then I don't have choice. If you take away all the bad stuff, then I can only have good stuff, then where is choice? And, and it, it, like, does this imply the limitation of free will? And, and the quick answer is absolutely not. Absolutely not. And a few lines of evidence. First, God himself cannot sin, right? So like, uh, according to scriptures and according to his nature, God can't sin. Yet, I think we can argue he is, the, he is the freest being that exists in all existence. That he is free to do as much and whatever he wants, certainly more than you or I. That he's all powerful and can make decisions. Like the Bible says, who can resist his will? He comes up with that. He decides what he wants. He is the, he is the most freest being ever and yet cannot sin. So, however, it works, it works. In, like we see God's experience that he can't sin, yet he certainly has the freedom. To decide to make to, to make decisions and he has free will now you and i won 't like we get to heaven, and our experience of heaven is not we are now God, we become gods that 's not what we 're talking about, but our experience of sinlessness and free will will be similar to god 's ability to to both make decisions and yet not sin and then we, we see that that part of like our heart, like our inability to understand this is because we can 't separate our decisions, like when we give our decisions, our decisions hopefully are good, but often we make poor decisions and we just there's this dichotomy of, well, there's good and bad and that's free will. But, but what will happen is we will be remade in such a way that we won't want to sin. Like the question of, yeah, but can I sin? Won't even come up. One theologian, Paul Helm, he says this, the freedom of heaven then is the freedom from sin. Not that the believer just happens to be free from sin, but that, look at this, that he is so constituted or reconstituted that he cannot sin. He doesn't want to sin, and this is it, here it is. And he does not want to want to sin. <laughs> that you and I are remade in such a way that our, even our ability to sin, we're like, oh, man, but should I, should, I, should I do something really bad right now? We don't even want to want to do something bad. That our freedom is not tied to our desire to sin. And that we can't divorce that from our experience here on earth, but in heaven, we will. We see this, guys, and this I'm so excited, maybe then more than anything else, we will be able to eat and drink. Yeah, amen, right? Like, listen, if, if heaven didn't have food, I'd be like, okay, so where can I get something to eat around here? Like, we like the Bible specifically talks about us about being able to eat and drink. We see that that um, again a number of uh, lines of reasoning here. First, the resurrected Jesus, who gets his, he has his resurrected body, he eats and drinks after he's resurrected, in a physical body. In fact, he even makes breakfast for his disciples on the beach. He cooks up fish, and you're going, "Oh man, all right." And he, he's physically eating and dining with them. We see this in Revelation 19. Um, then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. Luke, 15, Luke 14, verse 15, it says this, when, when one of those at the table heard him, uh, Jesus, uh, uh, with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. There's a number of verses like this that talk about this wedding feast or wedding supper with the lamb. Here's what's, what's interesting, and here's what's really cool. So one of the things that's going to happen is when the church is brought up and we're with Jesus and we have this kind of like inaugural sort of we're all together now, it's initiated with a wedding feast, like an actual feast. Like when you think back of, you know, weddings you've been to or maybe your own wedding, um, you probably remember like, oh, here's what it was like, and, and what is always at a wedding? Food. Right, you go through the wedding ceremony and you go through the. It's beautiful, it's wonderful, and it's amazing. Everyone's happy, and then you know the groom, the bride and groom, they kiss, and then they go out, and they like everyone's all clap, and then it's like let's eat, and then you go right to reception. I mean, it's like don't make me walk too far because I'm hungry, and you gotta you go right there, and then you have a meal, and everyone celebrates with food. Our experience of heaven will be the same. In fact, in fact, the church is often called the bride of Christ, and that that we will be reunited. It's wedding language that we're going to have. And so, what do you know? Of course, there's a wedding of, between Jesus and the church, and then and then we get food. <laughs> we get to experience a wedding feast. Amazing. Um, we'll see this. We will be able to laugh and play in heaven. Luke 6 says this, blessed are you who hunger now. This is Jesus speaking, for you will be satisfied. He's now speaking about the hardship now, but here's what's coming. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. He literally says you're going to experience laughter. When the time comes, Don't you just wait. You will experience laughing again. In Mark 10, um, Jesus has this encounter with, uh, with his disciples and people that he's praying over and, um, and they're bringing children to him. They're bringing children because naturally, like if you, like, the, you're you with Jesus, Jesus, can you pray and bless my child? Like I don't need anything, but can you just pray over and bless my kid? Like that's what's important to me is my kid. So will you bless them? So they're bringing their kids to Jesus. and then it, and, then, um, and then what happens is his disciples, though maybe they were, maybe their intentions were good, they always get in the way. And they're like, hey, listen, Jesus is kind of an important guy. Um, so, so let's leave the kids for the kids' business. And let's just, he's just gonna hang out with adults. So kids, just stop bothering him. Don't waste his time. And so they were stopping kids from doing this and families be like, no, don't bring your kids to Jesus. So Jesus sees this, here's what it says. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He was upset at his guy's. These are his 12 that he handpicked, and they're preventing children from coming to him to, to be prayed over, to be blessed. And, and, and he's like, I can't believe this. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. And then he says this, For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. That, that the kingdom of God belongs like, is for children. And then he goes a step further. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, will never enter it. He goes on to say, not only is it for them, you have to become like them. You have to be like a child if you even want to get in. Now, one of the things that, that like is, this is true of kids everywhere, of every kid that has ever existed throughout time, everywhere, that's, by the way, that's everyone. You were once a kid. Kids, all they want to do is play. That's it if you have kids, all they want to do is play. Like my kids, I have, uh, we have four kids and all they want to do is play. My daughter, she's second grade and every time she wants to hang out, she doesn't just say like, hey dad, can we sit on the couch and talk? Though she probably would love that. She says, can we play? Do you want to play with me? Like, yeah, what do you want to play? I'll play a game. All right, well, let's figure out the game. And then it's like, oh, there's so many games to pick. And she's like paralyzed by the decision of what we're going to play. And all she wants to do is play. Even this morning. This morning, I, she was up. She, sometimes she's not up in time, like when I, when I leave her uh, on a Sunday morning. And, uh, but she was up this morning. And so I said, oh, I just wish I could stay home with you. We could just hang out. And, and, uh, and she goes, well, Dad, you wouldn't be able to do it long because, and she does it. She goes, I have a play date today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to my friend's house. So maybe when I get back, we can play. <laughs> it's like, in her mind, all she wants to do is play. That's what kids do. That's what they want. Listen, I, I promise you, when you and I get to heaven, we're just gonna play. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna be like, you wanna climb that tree? <laughs> like, yeah. Like what, else do you, like, what else can we do? All we wanna do is play. Martin Luther, the great reformer, Martin Luther, reformed the church, started the Protestant movement. Here's what he said. He said, if there's no laughter in heaven, I don't wanna go there. This is Martin Luther, the theologian, and he's going, listen, if, if I'm not able to laugh, then it's not going to be heaven. And he was, he was known as a great theologian, but he actually, he was also known for, uh, for a witty sense of humor. Like he loved laughing. You and I will be able to, to laugh and play. Here's the next one. We'll be able to play sports. We will. Let me tell you why. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul writes this. He gives this illustration of running the race and like how we live out our faith. And he says this, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Then uh, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Okay, so what is it? How do we know that we're gonna have sports? All right, first, we're gonna have the scriptures, right? We'll have the Bible. This is, we know that this is everlasting. God's word will be forever. So we'll have this. So you and I, even if this isn't the case, but even if we get a complete mind wipe and we're like, I don't know anything at all, we're going to read about sports and athletics in here. Now, listen, if no one has started them, I promise you, this I solemnly promise to all of you, right, as the Lord is my witness, if sports don't exist and when I get there, I will help create sports. I will help Like start them for you. I will come. I'll make sure you remember all the rules. We will literally read as we're reading in the scriptures. We'll read about running and races and athletics and like, oh, let's try this. Paul talked about running a race. Hey, I'll 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 race you to that you know that golden river over there. (laughs) Like, sweet. In fact, let's swim in it. All right, let's 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 go. Uh, If if we get. I'm a big sports guy. I don't know if some of you you know that. Um, I was watching sports last night. <laughs> Boy, I don't know if you watch football at all. That uh, I was not happy for fifty-eight minutes of the game. <laughs> uh, if you're a Green Bay fan, I want to. I I know how hard it is. So I'm, seriously, you outplayed us. But you know, somehow we're moving on. And if you're here this morning and a Green Bay fan, even more respect to you. Like, well done. Um, but we listen. We get to heaven. If football doesn't exist, like if you're a football person, we'll come up with, we'll help come up, remind everyone of the rule. If basketball doesn't exist, all right, all right, uh, Michael, you need to put that, uh, that, that hoop's got 10 foot, 10 foot, right at 10 foot. In fact, nine and a half, just go a little, for us other guys, like we, you know, like we, we will be able to play and in experience athletics. I think there's a song about it, right? There's a big, big field where we can play football. Do you remember this song? It's gospel. Here's what else. Listen to this. We will be able to experience art and drama and entertainment. Think about this. One of the things that we will have access to that we don't have access to now are the very people who experience the stories we read about. We'll be able to talk with them and say like, all right, can you reenact what it was like? You know what? Yeah, all right. You know what? Let's, how about this? How about we put together a drama? We'll do a skit for everyone. Oh, okay. Who's going to play Moses? Uh... Well, Moses is right there. He's, he'll probably be good at it. <laughs> like, oh, come on over. Thank you. That's, that's true. <laughs> Arthur Roberts, he says this. Listen to this. Some people may find it difficult to envision drama or literature without plots involving villainy, deceit, violence, or adultery. It's hard for us to understand like a plot in which there isn't like all this terrible stuff. Such fears are understandable because it is difficult to see beyond the horizon of our experience. These questions reflect an inadequate vision of the resurrected life. Do our aesthetic adventures depend upon sin for flavor? I think not. In heaven, as on earth, effective drama portrays a triumph of good over evil. I dare say, and he goes on to explain this, the vastness and the the openness of the renewed cosmos offers adventures adequate for epic tales. Just as it provides raw material for the visual arts, for painting, for sculpting, for architecture. Here's what he says We have a whole new world, literally, a whole new experience of the universe. Why wouldn't we put it to drama and art and sculpture and architecture and, and, and to worship the Lord in, in like new things? Like our creativity doesn't end. Like if you're creative now, you will be creative then. That's how God made you. It makes sense then that we will say, oh man, all right, we have some, we have some, gifted, uh, some um, uh, gifted actors and actresses and some theater. Like, all right, you're gonna put together, right? Uh, an, an entire drama about the Exodus, right? Take as much time as you need. We got all the time in the world. <laughs> like, awesome. And we'll be able to experience and explore all of this together. One of the things that we'll be able to do, what else we'll be able to do? We'll be able to work. And not like, you, I clock in, clock out but work that you enjoy where you say like this is what I want to do. I I like we were made, I don't know if you know this, part of like our DNA like what we're designed to do is to work. It's why not having a job is detrimental to you. It, not like a job you go get paid for, but having a task. Like something like this is what I do. This is what I'm here for. This is this is my role in life right now. If you're absent of purpose, you will feel that. You'll experience that. In heaven, you and I will have The ability to work. Some jobs won't exist. We won't need doctors right? or police officers. Uh, There's there's a number of roles that we're going, all right, those are done away with. But other jobs certainly will be there. Look at this. In Genesis chapter two, we see God gives Adam and Eve a job. And this is pre-sin, pre-fall. This is before the world goes south, before everything goes bad, they have a job. When everything is right still, they have a job. Here's what it says in Genesis 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. The first job given to people was gardening. Gardening, you're going to take care of this garden. You're going to tend to it. Take care of it. What do you know? We get to the end of the Bible and we see a city. And in this city is a garden. It would make total sense that there will be a number of us then who are, I love to garden. I, I, I'll be able to garden. Others of us should not go anywhere near this garden, myself included, where you're like, don't please don't touch any of the trees, don't touch any of the plants. I know it's heaven and nothing will die, but somehow you will find a way. <laughs> I'll find a way to kill it. The, here's how I know this. I have like a, only like two plants in my life, um, in my office. And one is pretty healthy, because um, my Lee she waters it for me and takes care of it. The other one is my vine and I brought it here one time as an illustration and boy, did you guys let me know how terrible I am at taking care of this plant. And, and like, I'm just not great at it. But some of you, like this is your happy place where you're going, I, like when the whole world is just crazy and I'm stressed out, I do just go to my plant. I can go garden. And it's a, I just, I just love it. You will be able to do that. Awesome. And, and, and this is your job. Your, your task is to take care of this. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready, Lord. Okay, here's the next question. And this maybe is the only one you guys care about. Will animals be there? <laughs> like, that's always the question that comes up. All right, all right, all right. That's all fine and well, but what about the animals? All right. So here it is, ready? Let me give you a few answers. And we, again, we talked about this on first Wednesday a little bit more, but here we go. First, God's plan has always included animals. Always included animals. Again, pre-sin. In fact, God made animals before he made us. Like in the scheme of God's creativity and his design and his his creation, he starts with animals. A whole world of animals, of, of diverse creatures that would populate the world. And then he's like, all right, now I'll add people. In the beginning, he started with animals. All right. So the beginning includes animals. Currently, right now, we have, obviously, we have animals. And in the future, we're told that there will be animals. In fact, we're told specifically, explicitly, the Bible explicitly states that there will be animals in what's referred to as this thousand-year reign of Christ, and they will live in harmony. So without getting into the timeline, which you know, we'll do at some point in the future, um, uh, after Jesus comes back, after the rapture, after all of that, there's this thousand year reign in which Jesus is ruling on earth. And it's still not the, like the forever state of heaven, but there's this, this thousand year reign in which it's like, okay, all right, he's in charge. And during this period, we see that there are animals. Here's what it says in Isaiah chapter 11, verse six. It says this, the wolf will live with the lamb. "'The leopard will lie down with the goat, "'the calf and the lion and the yearling together, "'and a little child will lead them, "'that all of these animals will coexist, "'and even little children will be with them. "'The cow will feed feed with the bear, "'their young will lie down together, "'the cow and a bear will will exist together, "'their their cubs will will exist together, "'and the lion will eat straw like an ox. "'So they'll apparently be all vegetarians, "'which is why they're not eating each other, "'because otherwise it wouldn't work.'" The infant will play near the cobra's den. Okay, this is not a good idea currently. The young will, the child will put its hand in the viper's nest. Also not a good idea. But eventually it's like, oh, go play with that snake. No problem. Right? Like for some of you, like your parents, like that's worst nightmare. Like that's the worst thing that could happen is your kid walks into the house with a snake and you're like, demon child, leave. <laughs> eventually that won't be a problem. All right. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There will be a time when, when in the future when animals will exist when this, this, during this thousand-year reign. Now, okay, so animals exist in the past, obviously, currently, it will exist in the future. It makes no sense for then God to say, all right, now new heavens and new earth, okay, I'm gonna kill every animal now. They're done. In fact, for continuity's sake, it makes total sense to say, all right, well, They've been in the past. They're here now. They're going to be in the future. They've always been part of God's plan. It would would follow then that that God will continue to allow and to to have animals be a part of his, like the experience that we get. All right. Now, that's that's a good question. Here's the question you want. You don't care about animals. I mean, you do. But what about my animals, right? That's what you want to know. What about, you know, my little Fluffy the dog? I want to know about Fluffy. Is Fluffy going to make it? And so let me just definitively, like, do, do pets make it in? All right, let me give you a definitive answer. We don't know. All right, is that definitive? The Bible is silent on this. It doesn't say one way or another. Now, we can, again, we can speculate, um, Here's where I land, okay? Again, I could be wrong, but here's where I land. If you, you, know, you disagree, that's fine. We can have a good you know, back and forth conversation. Um, I see no reason why God couldn't bring our pets with us or that he wouldn't. Now, that doesn't mean that they will be there. In fact, like going back through my life, there's certain animals I'm like, Lord, please don't bring them back. They, <laughs> like right where they currently are is where they need to stay. <laughs> like just leave them there. But others that, like, you may go, man, I just really miss that, you know, that, that loved dog or cat or, you know, horse or gerbil, whatever you want. And, and, I, and there's no reason why God can't say, like, hey, all right, for you, all right, I'll bring them back. Or, or at a bare minimum, all right, I'll give you some new ones, and, and they'll be even better, right? Like, this one, guaranteed, won't go potty in the house. Guaranteed. This is an upgraded version of your, of your experience. All right, Wonderful. Will they be there? I don't know. But could they be there? Sure. Why not? If animals are there, why not your animals? What else do we know about heaven? Um, We know this. Christ will give new names to the righteous known only between him and them. Revelation chapter two, it says this. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. All right, that's, okay, what is that? We could talk about that. Um, I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. That there's something about, like, this this is interesting. You're going, why? Why would, like, what does this mean? Well, apparently, apparently, even in heaven, where we're all, like, everyone kind of interacts with each other and knows each other, we still have a level of privacy. Hey, there's still stuff that's it's just for me. That's just for me. It's not for all of you, right? You 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 know me. You my name is Brandon, but you don't know like my my, my private name. Like I have a, a personal, private relationship with Jesus that, that the rest of you don't get. All right. Hmm. We see this that the new creation will not be timeless, but will include hours and months. Revelation eight uh, verse one it says this when. Um, John's doing this, he gives this revelation of what's going to happen. He says this, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven and he gives a time for about a half an hour. It's quiet. I'm like, oh, how long was the quiet? it quiet? It's about a half an hour. All right, so somehow he's able to measure time, even if it's, he probably doesn't have a watch, of course, but he's probably able to just, all right, that was about, that was about 30 minutes of silence in heaven. We see this in Revelation 22. Uh, now, fast forward into future, to eternal state now, where it's like new heaven, new earth. Everything is like how, how God is gonna set it up forever. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. And look at this, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. Okay, so we'll still have months somehow. And, and, and like this, these trees will produce fruit every month and we'll probably need people to take care of it and to, and to manage it. All right. And the leaves of the tree are the healing for the nations, that we eat this and, and somehow that this is like like medicinal trees of some kind. Oh, all right. That there's, there's time, there's certainly time and, and months, presumably maybe seasons in heaven. We see this, that Jesus described heaven as having many rooms and dwellings, and promised that he would go there to prepare a way for us. So one of the things that Jesus says when he's here is he says, all right, now guys, listen, I'm gonna go. When I, when I leave though, I'm gonna go prepare something for you. And, and, and when, I, when I come back to take you, I'm gonna take you there. I'm setting this up for you. Here's what he says. In John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it, uh, if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? He has this rhetorical. Like, Am I lying? Would I lie to you right now? He's like, no, I'm not lying. I'm, this is the case. And if I go there and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. He has this great promise where he says, all right, I'm leaving. My father, has. he's got a place. This is great place. And it has got a ton of rooms, like a lot of places. And I'm going to prepare it for you, to get it ready for you. And when I come back, I'm gonna take you there so that we can be there together. Hmm. So, so you and I, w- however this is gonna look, there's, there's a spot for us. There's a spot for you, for me. And then we see this. And this is hard to, it's hard to think through. It's hard to, um, it's hard to reconcile this given that grace is not earned and that our faith is, is, uh, is a, a pure gift of God. We see this, we will have eternal rewards that will vary from believer to believer. And you and I will get different rewards. And that our experience of heaven, though we're in the same place, our experiences will be different based on the rewards we get. Now, this isn't because some guy on the stage is telling you, we're looking at the scriptures, this is what Jesus tells us. Here's what we see in Matthew 16. Jesus is speaking and he says this, for the son of man is going to come into his father's glory with his angels. And then... He will, he will reward each person according to what they have done. And you and I will have rewards based on what we've done. We see this in Matthew or in Revelation 22, again, fast forward now to like what heaven will be like. And, and we see this. Look, I am coming soon. This is Jesus again speaking. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning. In the end. Here's what he says. I'm coming. And I will give to you rewards based on what you've done. Now this is different than salvation. This isn't like you've been a good person and so now you, you make it into heaven. That's not what he's talking about. We know this because salvation is purely by grace. It's nothing you can earn. It's not a work. So what is this? He's talking about rewards now, which is different than salvation. Like you get into heaven because of what Jesus did. But then your experience of heaven is different based on according to the Bible, according to Jesus, based on how you live your life, based on what you do here. What you do here matters. So what are these rewards? We aren't told what they are, but we can, I, we can guess. And I, Again, if you ask me, here's what I think. Here's where I land with regard to these rewards. Uh, there's, only, there's only, really, there's only two things that, are, that will go with us into heaven, into eternity. Your relationship with the Lord. Goes with you. Like, you know Jesus or not. The second is relationships with other people. They go with you. You and I don't get to take stuff, right? You don't, you don't get to take your favorite car or, you know, your, uh, your uh, favorite TV or whatever. Like, you don't get stuff. None of that goes with you. So what can, what can we possibly be rewarded with that that would be, that would be dependent on what we do here? It can't be accumulation of goods, of your materials, whatever, that's all gonna go. The rewards then, for me, what seems to make the most sense, are the rewards are this, relationships that you have built and invested in while here on earth, that you get to continue to experience in heaven. Here's what this looks like, ready? You get to heaven, and, um, and you know, it, it, it's, you know it's overwhelming, and it's incredible, and one of the things Jesus says is this. Hey, there's some other people here who would like to meet you. In fact, they're here because of you, because of your faithfulness, because you shared the gospel with them, because you shared your life with them. And, and they got, because of you, they're here. Would you like to meet them? I can't think of a better possible reward than hearing other people are here because of how I live my life on earth. I, I don't I don't want stuff. I don't need I don't need like a you know like a larger square footage room like the duel well, like oh, mine mine's a, oh that's that's nice but mine's a little bigger. I've got better rewards. That's whatever. But knowing people are spending eternity with the Lord because of what you did, that's I can't think of a better reward than that. Than to than to be told and to hear. What you did mattered in other people's lives. Randy Arcorn, he he concludes this book, Heaven, um, with this. He says, we are made, we are all made for a person and a place. Jesus is the person and heaven is the place. If you know Jesus, he says, I'll be with you in that resurrected world. And with the Lord we love and the friends that we cherish, we'll embark together on this ultimate adventure in a spectacular new universe awaiting our exploration and dominion. Jesus will be the center of all things. And look at this. And joy will be the air we breathe. And right when we think it doesn't get any better than this, it will. <laughs> right when we think this is the greatest possible moment, how could it possibly get any better than this? Jesus says, oh, guys, I'm just getting started. <laughs> you just wait. Wait. We have so much here for you, for you, for you to enjoy. So this gets us to aspect number five, and that's this question. How do we get there? In fact, this last few weeks, uh, as we've been talking about heaven and what it will be like and, and what the Bible says about heaven, I've had a number of people ask, and, right, so what is it like? And how do I, all right, well, how do I get there? What do I got to do? What's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the way in? Here it is. The same chapter that Jesus talks about going to prepare rooms for us. A few verses later, he says this Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And then he says this, No one comes to the Father but through me. According to Jesus, he says, No one gets in unless you go through me. It's not being a good person, it's not being, uh, being um, uh, uh, loving your neighbor. It's not doing all of the right stuff because how can you do enough to, to offset all of the sin that you have? How, how can you save yourself from yourself? Jesus, he calls himself the door or the gate and, and, and it's only through him. I had to learn this because I, did, I didn't grow up a Christian. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. It was all new to me and I'm hearing the gospel for the first time and I'm going, this is totally different. And, 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 and this, this, this invitation is open to all. This invitation to become a follower of Jesus is for everyone and anyone. It's only through the sacrifice of Jesus that we're allowed to experience heaven and all that he has for us. Being a good person isn't enough. You and I need someone to save us. Hence, Jesus comes to do just that. And for those of us that say, I'm in, I'm a follower, I'm I, 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 tr- I put my trust in you, my faith in you. I want the forgiveness that you offer, and I'm going to be your follower. I'm in. He says, all right, great. I'm preparing a place for you. And you, you just wait. This place is unbelievable. Huh. Heaven is different than you think and better than you think. So this last question I want to leave us with is this. Am I living my present life with the anticipation of future heaven? Are you thinking about what that will be like? And, 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 ready for this? And how are you storing up, like Jesus says, treasures in heaven instead of on earth? How are you, right now, living in such a way in which you will be rewarded even more richly, which I think is even more people will, will be in heaven because of you? Would you do this? Would you stand with me, and we'll pray and then worship the Lord together? So, will you uh, will you um, bow with me and close our eyes here? Pray to God together. And a, for a number of us, a number of us, we've already placed our faith in Jesus, and we're we can't wait. We can't wait. We hear things like this, and we can't wait. With with so much anticipation and excitement about what heaven will be like. Others of us, you hear this, and this is maybe the first time this is new to you. And maybe today, the first time in your life you're saying, I need to put my faith and my trust in Jesus. I too want to be with God forever. And to do that, have to go through Jesus so I want to give my life to him if that's you you can right now say I want to I want to put my faith in him it's a decision you make no one else can make it for you but it's a decision we can help guide you through so wherever you are that's you I just want with heads bowed just no one looking around I just want to know who I'm praying with and praying for so would you do this would you just slip your hand up so I can see and just know All right, I want to pray with you I want to pray with you yeah yep so if that's you where you are right now whether you had your hand up or not you can pray something like this God I admit that I am a sinner I am far from perfect and I need a savior I believe that Jesus died on the cross to forgive me, to save me, and to change me. And I commit my life to you, to being changed by you, to being with you. Will you come into my life, forgive me of my sin, and change me. Lord, I pray for all of us here that all of us would, whether we're deciding today for the first time or we've made that decision in our past, I pray that all of us would live in anticipation of future heaven, that that we would recognize what we do here and now matters in other people's lives. May we continue to share the good news of the gospel that we have with those around us so that we too can see them with us in heaven Lord we love you we thank you, we worship you now together in Jesus name Amen Amen, we sing with